Hi there, and you are welcome to our weekly news podcast roundup. I'm Megan Scully. I'm your host today. Keen Reinhardt is on a very well-deserved holiday, but don't you worry, he'll be back with us next week. This week's podcast is brought to you by Furniture Wholesale Eastway Business Park, where they have a warehouse clearance sale taking place right now. Now, joining me in studio and kicking things off, it's Head of News, Jerry Collison. How are you getting on? Pretty good, Megan. Now, a jam-packed week, loads happening, so let's kick things off with some news from um, Con Murray. Yeah, Con Murray, the man that's led uh, Limerick's uh, economic and uh, employment revival over the past six, seven years, has announced that he's actually um, retiring from the post uh, in August when his uh, contract comes to an end. Um, you know, he's the man that's uh, led the city. He initially led the amalgamation of the city and county councils, and uh, he's been uh, in the hot seat uh, over the past few years when we've seen up to 15,000 new jobs and about $2 billion of investment coming into the city. So, uh, you know, a pretty impressive record and a very hard act to follow. Most certainly is. Um, so what do you think will happen now? Will they replace him? Yeah, it's difficult to see. Of course, they'll replace him, but it's difficult to see um, what is going to happen, particularly in the context of the uh, plebiscite that, mm. uh, you know, gave the go ahead to the uh, election of a directly elected mayor, which will change the uh, the game plan a little bit. You know, it'll, it'll mean that the uh, mayor will have some of the uh, powers that would have been vested in the executive. So it will be a different type of a job and it'll probably be a very different type of a person that will take that job. I guess exciting times ahead. Now, moving on, um, the new mayor wants to uh, make a few changes to O'Connell Street. Um, definitely a bit of a bizarre move. Yeah, that's 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 been kind about it. Yeah, the new mayor, um, Michael Sheehan. Now, again, this this is a is a sort of a bit of the mayoral merry-go-round. Um, mayor Sheehan, uh, Fine Gael man, um, elected um, to the uh, mayoralty at the first meeting of the um, new local authority. Uh, fairly convincing um, election, as you would imagine, given that there's an alliance between uh, Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael on the council. So he was elected mayor uh, by 30 votes to 10 but his first, um, his first public pronouncement uh, caused a few people to scratch their heads. Basically, what he was looking for was that the uh, Brown Thomas store, which occupies, I suppose, one of the most prominent uh, positions in O'Connell Street, that that would be replaced by a fountain. Um, yeah. Um, now, also, uh, you know, he wouldn't just stop there in O'Connell Street. He was also looking for fountains at all of the main entrances to the city. Um, so you know, at least it's a vision. Now, whether that vision will ever be realised is another is another issue. But um, you know, he certainly made a splash in his fountain anyway. Um, by the way, they they uh, a, f a fairly um, recent uh, recruit to the council ranks, Adam Tiski, was elected as uh, as deputy mayor. So it means that uh, Fine Gael take the one two this time around. Okay, very very interesting. Just back to the Brown Thomas thing. I I don't know now. I think uh, you know where we're going to get our shoes and our handbags. I don't think it's. I don't think it'll work. But I have to say, the fountains at the entrance to the city would look beautiful. But it, you'd nearly need to have CCTV there all the time because you know 
behaviours and what would happen around them at night time I think wouldn't uh, be too pleasing. Well, you know, being a graduate of UL yourself, you probably see that there has <laughs> been some unfortunate <laughs> history in the fountains out there. Um, you know, as for the handbags and the shoes in Brown Thomas, I think I'm pretty good for the handbags at the moment. <laughs> um, but yeah, fountains, God, Versailles, what have you, you know, well, you never know. That's your luck, time will tell. Now, moving on to the next big story, it's about homeless families moving from Cork to Limerick um, looking for accommodation. Yeah, this is, this, is a, this is a strange one. You know, we're all fairly familiar with the uh, homelessness crisis in Limerick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it seems that uh, there just isn't some immediate or, or, or soft solution to the whole thing. But it's been given a, a, an, an extra dimension. A report by David Raleigh in this week's paper uh, reports how homeless families are moving from North Cork into Limerick in search of accommodation. Now, that has something to do with the fact, well, naturally, there will be more uh, beds available in, in, in Limerick, particularly during the, uh, the off-season for tourism. But um, there's also quite a few uh, voluntary organisations that are, you know, doing a huge role in trying to uh, uh, in trying to support these uh, homeless families in particular. And um, this revelation about the people coming from North Cork was made um, during a um, a function uh, organised by Threshold, the um, the. Uh, organization that provides outreach services for homeless families so um they're actually putting um an extra uh, weekly clinic at their uh, citizens information service building on on henry street um but during the launch um their uh, regional manager edel conlon referred to the fact that people were actually coming from north cork in um, in search of accommodation yeah, I have to say it is a quite a scary time. And then, you know, you walk around the cities, uh, around the city and around the streets of Limerick and you see so many abandoned buildings and it's like, why can we not do something about it? Yeah, you know, I mean, that's 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 part of the thing, you know. It, it, the, these solutions just seem so obvious and probably so easy at first glance. But, you know, going a little bit deeper, it's probably a, a far more complex problem and probably a little bit beyond the reach of you and I to solve here this morning. But... You know, it is. It's a sad and it's a it's it's a devastating situation for so many people. It most certainly is. Now, moving on, um, the novena. It's um, about to kick off. So, uh, what's happening there? Well, yeah, they'll be coming from North North Cork as well to Limerick mm-hmm. for this. Um, you know, it, it it's fascinating every year the amount of people that make their way for this novena. You know, it it seems to contrast so much with the message that we're getting that, you know, the church is on its last legs and that, you know, people have been moving away from religion. And, you know, largely that is the case. But every year it seems that the crowds that come, you know, tens of thousands of people just come to this uh, Redemptress Novena. Um, It may have something to do with, you know, people looking for some sort of spiritual renewal or whatever, but the um, rector at the Redemptress, Father Seamus Enright, you know, he's been describing it in the paper this week as it being, you know, akin to the Gaelic grounds or Thoman Park, you know, where people go. And, you know, judging from the numbers, he might be too far wrong. Yeah, I have to say, um, I think from as a young girl, I've been brought to quite a few novenas and um, I definitely want to head down t- for this one because there's something I think maybe it's special about it that, as you said, these people all turn up when it comes to novena time, so whatever it is they're looking for or the time of year. But I um, have to say, it's, uh, so it's good to see that many people coming t- from all around, as you said, and coming into Limerick City and, you know, it can only bring more money into the city as well, which is, is always good to see. Yeah, for sure. And while you're there, you might just say a little prayer for the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Exactly. Light your candles. Jerry Collison, thank you so much for chatting to me on the podcast this week. You're very welcome. The podcast this week is, of course, brought to you by Furniture Wholesale Eastway Business Park. They are running a warehouse clearance sale at the moment. Now, next up on the podcast from the news team, I'm joined by Bernie English. How are you? Good afternoon. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. A really good, good, bu- good busy week. Well, <laughs> we did have a busy week. Yes, we had a busy couple of weeks between um, between elections and presidential visits, and we thought we were heading into the silly season, but hasn't started yet. <laughs> no, I, I, people say that, uh, you know, oh, usually around summertime it starts to get quiet. I'm like, is it though? I feel like this summer, maybe it's just a bit different. It seems like there's loads going. Oh, wait, wait a week or two. <laughs> yeah. Come July, we'll be wondering what we'll be we looking will for things to about. Yeah, we'll be looking for something to write about. We always certainly will. Let's kick things off. So first up, it's the colposcopy testing and the waiting list at the moment. Yes, Megan. Um, as you know, last year, the Minister for Health invited every woman in the country to have a free smear test when the revelations began. To uh, the f- in the fallout of the revelations over the um, cervical smear catastrophe, and many women took them up on that. Now that had not knock-on effects down down the line, and currently a year later, there the number of women who are waiting for follow-on tests, a thing called a colposcopy, at Limerick Maternity Hospital has all has trebled, more than trebled. Mm. So, you know, uh, this time last year, well, in in May of last year, there were forty-three women on the waiting list, which was quite manageable. And this year, there's 154. Now, what this means is that a woman who has got a result which is suspicious Mm -hmm. or in some way abnormal is having to wait to have a follow-on test to see what's going on. Because most of the tests that were sent, that that were done a year ago, have expired as far as looking for the human papillomavirus is Mm -hmm. concerned. They're no longer of use for that. So... This is quite a this is quite a nerve wracking thing for women. They they they've some of them have waited up to eight months for the original smear test to come back. So we're talking about something that happened eight months ago or seven months ago or six months ago, and now they have to wait again for the colposcopy test. And the host, HSC admits that they can't actually. The team just cannot deliver in the eight week window for the lesser for for those who people who are deemed to be lesser risk. So it's very difficult and very very hard on women. It's quite terrifying, really. It is. It's extremely terrifying, I think, and it's um, it's outrageous to think that they can't even get in the extra staff to to do the testing. I just said eight months is that's just obscene, no, especially no, if yeah. unfortunately if you have an abnormal smear. Well, the problem is that most of the smears that come back now are coming back, as mm. I said, they have expired. So a lot of women, an awful an awful chunk of those women are going to have to go and do it all again. And it's really hard to see where this backlog is going, this logjam is going to end, unless there's a lot of resources thrown at this. Um, it seemed to be a bit of a knee-jerk reaction at the time, and, and gynaecologists up and down the country warned about it, said this was going to happen, and now it has. Yeah, no, it is. It's really tough times. Um, I suppose, though, another thing, too, is that more and more women, I suppose, are getting tested now with all the scandal that's been coming out. That's true, too, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, as I said, every woman was told, go and have a smear test, whether, whether it was your turn to have it, whether it was the two-year or five-year window for you to do that or not. So, of course, with everything that we were learning, women said, gosh, I better do it, you know. So, um, yeah, they needed to throw away more resources at it than they did. I really think that um, nowadays the GPs should be able to almost do testing there and then and kind of be able to give you some kind of an indication instead of having to, you said, send things off for eight months and a year and then it expires. And, you know, yeah, no, it's, it's yeah. not really a nice experience for any woman. So I just think they need to really, as you said, get those resources going and seriously sort this out. Well, you would have thought they would have done that a year ago. Yeah, you absolutely would have. Moving on, Bernie, um, some good news, hopefully, for Shannon Airport um, looking to become the European hub. Well, yes, uh, hopeful news for Shannon. We were um, Senator Kieran O'Donnell was given a co- was given a commitment by the Minister for Transport 
this week that he will push for a plan which is being implemented with the Shannon Group. Now, the Shannon Group are in negotiations, they, they've said, they're not giving too much away, in negotiations with some airlines. Uh, obviously, we have great connectivity to the UK. We don't, unfortunately, have a European hub. Mm. And with Brexit looming, that's, that's fairly important that we find a Paris or a Rome or somewhere, Hamburg, somewhere where we can actually have European mm. connectivity. So, um, Kieran O'Donnell tells us that he's, he's been told this will, this will go ahead, that the minister is giving it every support through tourism function, through whatever support his department can give. And um, yeah, we need it because Shannon is operating at about 40% of its capacity. We could do an awful lot more out there. And Dublin is getting the lion's share. 90% of all passenger traffic coming into the country almost goes mm -hmm. through Dublin. Now, if we're going to talk about balanced regional development, that's one of the first places to look. So fingers crossed that something will come of this and we'll be all jetting off uh, to have a very nice cut-price holiday from Shannon on our doorsteps to Rome or Luxembourg oh, yeah. or somewhere like that. Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, I have to say, I think Shannon Airport is the dream. It's just the nicest airport. As it's so easy to get to. It's so accessible. They have so yes. much land there in space. It's so human. Oh, and it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, I, genuinely going through there, I find it a pleasure. Um, compared to any airport across the world, you will not find anything like Shannon. Absolutely, absolutely. And when you think about the likes of Heathrow or, or even Dublin, which has become like a monster in its own footprint now, um, yeah, I have to admit when, when I heard about this, I was thinking, that's great. I also thought then, oh, what if Shannon is 90%? <laughs> <laughs> our secret is getting out yeah. about our lovely airport. You can't keep a good thing under wraps. <laughs> no, we most certainly can't. But as I said, if they open more routes for us to go around the world, we'll take it. <clears throat> I'm your girl. <laughs> Bernie English, thank you so much for chatting to me on the podcast Thanks, this Megan. Take care. So now joining me on the podcast, it is Rose Rush, who talks all things arts, entertainment and culture in the Limmer Post. I know we've got a jam-packed week, so we do. And just to remind you, this podcast is brought to you by Furniture Wholesale Eastway Business Park, where there's a warehouse clearance sale taking place. Rose, how are you? Megan, thanks for the big welcome, and I wish you well in Keane's hot seat. I'm telling you, I have very big boots to fill here this week. <laughs> I'm just used to doing my own thing and now I'm like he stepped out and I'm on podcast role but I have to say I am enjoying it I'm glad that he uh, trusted me with this <laughs> Hobson's choice maybe <laughs> <laughs> now I know I said you do have a jam-packed week so let's get things started with a very special exclusive from Angela's Ashes yes indeed and something the listener might not realize is it's hard to get exclusives in the arts and entertainment's world because advertising has an influence with respect to who media platforms really do have a license to chatter with and to promote. Uh, every company needs income and we're a private business. Uh, the other event that's sort of prohibitive to exclusives is that so much news is issued on social media first by the artists themselves or it's issued by a press reception which in which it's a free-for-all. So whether the Limerick Post comes out on a Thursday morning or you read the digital print this evening at 7.30 for breaking news or whether it's the Limerick Leader has a paper coming out on Wednesday morning, once anything is released in press reception format, it's, it's, it's everybody's from that instant. And many of us would get a press release beforehand. But this is truly an exclusive. We were going to announce the identity of Frank McCourt's formidable granny in Ashley's Ashes. And it is Limerick's own incredible, beautiful and immensely micable Amanda Minahan. Oh, wow. That's amazing. I know we were all at the launch um, a couple of weeks ago in the Savoy. So um, that's so cool that we have the exclusive here in the Limerick Post. Yes, and I'm thrilled, especially for Amanda, because she was initially cast 
and beautifully so in the first iteration of this production going back two years ago and then a short bout of ill health forced her conscientiously to withdraw it was her decision to withdraw from the production because she was going to miss five or six days rehearsal and that is an extraordinary tranche of work in which she would not be working with the cast in song dance choreography of movement in building the spirit of this so she pulled out and uh, it's wonderful to welcome her back in I cannot wait to go see Angela's Ashes. I think even hearing uh, Jacinta perform on the at the launch party as well, and and the, just the whole story, we all know it, and we're so um, used to it because of Limerick City. So um, it's in July, isn't it? It's coming to the theatre. It's July eighteen to 27, 27 performances. I beg your pardon, Megan. Eleven performances, and what I respect about this musical is that it has kept the. It's faithful to the book. It's faithful to how really crushing in spirit and actuality and living circumstances and any idea of advancement that the McCourt family and their ilk would have had in its limerick of the day. It's very true to that and mm-hmm. it's, it's painful at times to watch, much as it is joyful in times. Well, I have to say, get your tickets now because I think that's going to sell out very, very fast. Great, and I was lucky enough to grab a, a small slice of Amanda's time, short interview with her in Arts Page, and more along in the goodness of time. Amazing. Now, moving on, you've got some musical items that you'd like to tell us about for young people, but also, I suppose, something for everyone as well. Nice way to put it, Megan. Uh, the really, really, really big event coming to Limerick is going to be hosted by St. Patrick's. Um, it's going to be hosted by St. Mary's Cathedral, and it's the choir, it's the boy choir of St. Patrick's Cathedral in Dublin. Uh, Peter Barley is organist and he's the program manager for the year around very busy music program in St Mary's Cathedral. He's extremely excited to have um, this core of boys coming. He says without hesitation, they are the best boys choir in in Ireland. I challenge him on this. How do you know, Peter? It's, it's, It's a nice claim. You've tickets to sell. So why? Why are they the best? Inarguably. He says, uh, Roswell, for a start, St. Patrick's Cathedral, it's the head seat of all 12 dioceses. Um, it's got the biggest population as well, sitting around Dublin. So there's more of a call from, you know, which which boy singers mm-hmm. actually make the grade. Uh, their choir master is Stuart Nicholson. He's leading the Limerick concert. This is their summer tour. Peter Barley makes the point that, you know, this choir, they they do 12 religious services in the week. They sing at those. Wow. Okay, they have Christmas concerts. They have a summer tour, which we're benefiting from. There, there's a big concert for Remembrance Day and other occasions. And he closes his argument with this: they've recorded four albums, and each has been critically well acclaimed. Wow! And if you open something, maybe uh, let's take for example the Sunday Times Culture Magazine, where they review classical rock and jazz music Mm. very seriously so often you know the big stars in the world might get one two or three only out of five potential stars for their latest recording that's dropped so to be critically reviewed is is no guarantee that it's in your favor and uh, this boys choir have nailed it so this concert is coming up you can read my interview with peter on arts page page 72 it's coming up for uh friday week june 21st at 7 30 p.m so well worth looking out for megan forgive me i want to cough <coughs> okay, Perfect. that was item number one with respect to youth. The second is the arrival here 
in July. It's going to be the Irish Youth Wind Ensemble. Now, notice the word ensemble mm-hmm. and not orchestra. It's a selection, but quite a big selection, at least 30 musicians touring with the Irish Youth Wind. They're the best young musicians playing wind instruments in the country. They have a gorgeous program coming up. It's at University Concert Hall, and that's going to take place on Friday, July 26th. So a bigger burden, did I say 13 musicians? They're going to have 70 wind brass wow. and percussion players on the road for this. That's going to be something else. That's going to be absolutely incredible. Now, moving on to Spirit of the City, and we have to um, make note that it's not all about spirits and the ghostly kind. It's actually about spirit as in the alcohol, as in the gin, the vodka. Spirit of the City is a festival that is coming to Limerick City, and um, there's a tie in there with Limerick Suicide Watch. Yes, indeed. It's a new festival to Limerick, but uh, its festival founder, Kevin Collins, has pioneered it in Cork for a few years. Um, and we published something in Entertainment's pages last week. Thank you very much, Eric Fitzgerald, my colleague, uh, to introduce the spirit of the City Festival. It's going to be rooted in the last weekend of this month, over four days, Thursday to Sunday, all taking place in and around Arthur's Key Park, which was so successful for Riverfest. Um, oddly, their charity partner is Limerick Suicide Watch. So I thought this is interesting. Megan, I couldn't really make sense of it. Why would a, a drinks festival mm-hmm. uh, that's going to promote Irish craft beers, boutique gins, you know, or big banner of whiskies? Why is that partnering with a Suicide Watch group when there is the proven link between alcohol, depression mm-hmm. and the abuse of drink and drugs and uh, a greater precipitation towards crisis thinking, catastrophic thinking and worst outcome suicide. So um, very interested in this and I thought it was a bold partnership. So I picked up the phone to Lucy O'Hara, who is partnering with Kevin Collins Mm -hmm. in this festival. She's PRO for Limerick Suicide Watch and such an interesting woman. She told me she's been with this group since they started out in 2016. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, so she knows exactly the work that goes into into the amazing work they do. Yeah, uh, yeah, as well as patrolling. She's a daytime job and she's PRO as well, dealing with people like me and a straight talker. Interestingly, when I rang her, she couldn't speak for a few minutes. She's in a busy and urgent search to get the barcode to the lock gates behind Sarsfield House. Okay. Because they patrol every inch of the river to the best of their ability. Mm-hmm. And if you think of that little link jetty over to the potato market, she said the previous night they couldn't access it. There was a new barcode. There was some problem. Okay. So this is her mission today. They sort this out. We'll be back on the road tonight. Incredible. This is the, her priority order at 2 p.m. in the day. It's incredible. Yeah. The work they do. It is. It is. It is. Now, they've at least 72 volunteers, adult men and women. They patrol several nights a week in in a team of eight to ten. They're rostered. They also have a patrol dog with them. Uh, Gorgeous Valley's Nalsation mix. His owner, Michael Maher, had trained him with the Irish Guide Dogs for the Blind to work with blind people and people affected by autism. Poor Fern didn't make the exams. Oh, no. Yeah. Now, it costs about 30k to train a guide dog. But as with ourselves, there is attrition. Poor Fern didn't make it. Mike was able to secure the dog back for this other charity, Limerick Suicide Watch, and Fern now patrols with the groups as well. So I asked Lucy, I was thinking about that, and she said, Rose, so often people in distress, 
and she said we we have we have a common perception of suicide affecting men in their 30s she said perhaps women in their 50s she said but we have met children as young as 13 mm-hmm. in distress near bridges and near the river and older into their late 70s and she said sometimes it is so much more easy for the person in crisis to relate to a friendly dog because mm-hmm. this was friend's problem he was too friendly uh, to be a yes. guide dog and there, there's a beautiful wisdom to that that sometimes fern is the icebreaker in reaching out to somebody who doesn't want to be met by this group determined to help arrest your thinking before the worst happens so they're amazing people so they're going to be present at this festival on the it's going to be the last thursday of june forgive me listener i don't have a calendar in front of me a moment and also the sunday of the 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 closing sunday this four-day festival and she says there are going to be comedy bites entertainment lots of surprise pop-ups over those two days specifically they're invited in to wear their high-vis vest to wear their banners their caps Mm -hmm. To be, you know, high profile and make suicide watch, mix with the festival, have their buckets out for any donation we might wish or might not wish to give them, but to be present. And she says it's so much more about signaling that we are welcome. Yeah. That people in crisis are us too. They're around us. Come in to the party. We're here. We're here for you at your discretion. Because there will more than likely be people in at the party who will be enjoying the spirits on offer that may be concealing something deeper and darker. So I think seeing the Limerick Suicide Watch crew will show them that, as you said, they're there mm. to support you no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter what your circumstances, you know, because I think a lot of the times there could be people who are at things like this and are having a great night out and then suddenly the night doesn't end in a way that they wanted to or in a way that they're try- they wanted to and I said I suppose those guys are there as you said in all their highways in all their kit on to show the riverfront mm-hmm. at it's, it's a, there's a beautiful intelligence to it isn't I there? think there absolutely is and I think it is a, actually a quite a, a fitting tie together great now mm. finally um, one of our very own and our very talented and award winning and uh, there's loads of words I could use to describe her Emma Langford has some massive gig news and not only that but a new album yes indeed now hats off to Old Crescent RFC because led by Michael Murphy who was one of the principals in setting up the Concert Hall University Concert mm-hmm. Hall and who was director there for, for a score of years um, he and the committee at Old Crescent have set up this new Limerick Summer Music Festival. As ever, Limerick Post was on the case going back now three years when it began. And his opening act was Emma Langford, who was who was a good name then, but still beginning. Mm-hmm. She recording her album. I spoke to her at the launch in the Savoy two years back. She had her German tour booked. She had other tours booked around the country. She sang at the launch. She sang at the festival that year in a warm-up act. Can you see, you know, Emma being a warm-up today? <laughs> I know, yeah. Thank you. And she knocked it out of Russ Prime Park, which is where this very well-structured marquee is set up, a proper mm-hmm. box office, the whole lot. It's a terrifically well-run festival, outdoors with amusements as well. And it's an evening festival. It's going to take place this year on Friday, the 12th of July. And Emma is, of course, the principal act. And she will be playing some tracks from her new um, her new album, which it, the name of it is not released yet. But she, was, she worked with a Grammy-nominated team, the production suite in Dublin, to make it. And she will have extraordinary backup. 
her sublime quiet giant band, as Michael Murphy calls them, uh, includes Tyke Murphy, Hannah Nikiarelt, Alec Brown, Peter Hannigan and Ray Ewer. And she has also recruited the help of Corkman, Keelan Kenny and Lapsteel, internationally acclaimed violin duo Lucia McParlin and Maria Ryan. Uh, Limerick's Clef Choir is going to be there, plus um, a dance ensemble. These are called the Soul and Body Dance Quartet, who formed in 2018 at the Irish World Academy. So I'll be able, I'll be interviewing Emma and indeed Michael Murphy further down the line, and there'll be more detail again on that wonderful festival. For um, for tickets, you go to Sullivan's Pharmacies, get one while you can. This is going to be Emma's concert, her biggest concert by far in Limerick yet. For €20 and available on eventmaster.ie and it's guaranteed this event is going to sell out. I cannot wait for it. It's going to be so special and of course I'm uh, very familiar with Old Crescent. I'm there every week playing tag rugby and I think it's just such a great setup and such a a lovely location as well and I'm familiar with the marquee as well so I know where I'll be, what I'll be doing that Thursday night or that Friday night I should say. Friday night, Friday night, Friday July the 12th. Friday July 12th, cannot wait for it. What a way to kickstart the weekend. Rose Rush, thank you so much for chatting to me on the podcast this week. Can I steal one second? I'll tell you why. Uh, it's circulating currently online. I, I put it up later in the week. You know the City and Soul series I'm doing? Yes. It's a series of full-page profiles in which I pick an institution, one that's not in the press every day or every week, and I do a, a newsy unit on that. We find out about its operations, its strategy, its thinking, its purpose. And then the sole element to this is a good look at its executive leader. And in this instance, it's uh, the Redemptorist Church. Mm-hmm. And I, one of my favorite people on Limerick, he's so charismatic. He's so inspirational. His perspectives on the world and how he meets the world is, is, is just, a, just an, an amazing and truly inspirational man. And one of very profound faith and such a ridiculously good sense of humor. He's Father Seamus Enright. He's rector, newly appointed for the second term. That was the news point to this. And that's online now. And it was published in Limerick Post last week. Lovely stuff. As said, Rose Rush, thank you so much. Pleasure as always. Now, next up in the podcast, I am joined by Eric Fitzgerald, who is our entertainment reporter, all things music, entertainment and whatnot, the things that you need to know about, the things that happened and the things that are happening. And just to remind you, this week's podcast is brought to you by Furniture Wholesale Eastway Business Park. There's a warehouse clearance sale currently taking place. Eric, how are you getting on? Good stuff, Megan. Uh, yeah, great forum altogether. Great forum. And uh, yeah, w- w- welcome to the crew here. It's our first time having a proper chat. Actually, I know. Here, you know not, I not said, Borkeen, uh, he's like, uh, is my job gone? I said, no, look, I'll give you a podcast back when you come back. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it's always nice to get to call in here when all the adults are done talking. You know, we can talk about music and stuff. Uh, exactly. And we can have a bit of fun with that, you know. So tell me, what is happening in Limerick? Uh, so I suppose, you know, after the weekend that was the June Bank holiday weekend, mm. you know, we thought we'd, we'd seen a lot of good gigs come into the <laughs> city you know and i suppose uh, again another huge gig coming into the city um uh, uh, metal at the castle was the headline and we have a few heavy metal bands coming to king john's castle so i suppose it's a little bit more niche obviously than what's been going on previous but it is again the dolan's crew getting together with uh, our local crew here who have been uh, called bad reputation and they have <laughs> been running metal gigs in the city for 12 years so those guys have been working really hard. Um, I suppose it's it like I say, it's a kind of a niche uh, music style and all that. But they have been running great gigs in the city for years. The Siege of Limerick runs twice a year. They get hundreds of people down to Dolan's Warehouse for a long list of metal bands who come from beyond Ireland, all over the country, and 
they would get hundreds down there and they do it all for free and the tickets are free to go to see Jill Limerick. So that's been running for about 10 years now. Uh, the guys in Bad Reputation run a load of gigs outside of that down in Dolans and they look after a lot of the local metal bands. They bring in touring bands. They even bring in tribute bands to the likes of Black Sabbath and Motorhead and stuff. So long story short, we've been talking to the likes of John Rail, who runs Bad mm-hmm. Reputation for years. And we've been always saying to him, Does that it, it seems like a no-brainer. We have this amazing castle. Yeah, you, stunning. It looks amazing. What's the best kind of gig to put on there? A metal gig. <laughs> <laughs> it's made for it. You don't need to spend any money on backdrops. It's already there, you know. True, actually. So, um, le- yeah, listen, we've been banging this door for a long time to see if he would f- find something that would work. And, I mean, it was always down to finding a couple of bands that would have the interest nationwide to pull in the numbers, make sense of it, you know. So... Here we are. We have uh, announced a few months ago Amon Amart and, and uh, Behemoth. So Amon Amart are a Swedish band and uh, Behemoth are from Poland. Now, on their own, these guys, if they came into Dublin City, they would fill a 1,000-seater venue, no problem. And uh, So these two guys, these two bands have combined and they are playing at the castle next Monday. And um, it's going to be a wicked night altogether, you know, because imagine... The the, the sun just setting, yeah. the castle. These guys are, especially Amon Amart, they're a Swedish band, and they are um, they have a really fun stage show. And I think they're, they're actually quite melodic as well. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of what you would have heard from the likes of Thin Lizzy, even though he has the kind of growly front, the front man has the growly voice, so it's, it's you know, it, it's, it's the new album is called Berserker. But, I mean, there's some great tunes on it. And just imagine them, as the sun is going down, coming out with their kind of... And the, the, the references in the music is all about Vikings and mythology. And they're actually playing on what was a Viking site actually, way back yeah, when, a couple no, of thousand years ago. Really so cool. the whole thing ties in, you know, and you can see the sun setting on this. And added to that, the, the band, don't, they don't take themselves too seriously. They're great fun. Uh, I was ch- chatting them during the week and even uh, Johan Hegg, the lead singer, he was just quoting like, we're always looking to find new ways of doing things and to create a bigger and better show. They're all about putting on a big show. You know, they are the perfect headliners for the, this metal gig at the castle. And um, I, I, I just added to that, they actually, uh, their drum riser is not just a regular old drum riser. It's a Viking helmet with the horns on it, the whole lot. So the whole stage show is great fun. It's big, it's brash. They even bring on a few actors onto the stage. Uh, oh. And there might be uh, something that would remind you of the, the film Viking or the, the series Viking or Game of Thrones or something. So there's a, there's a, a lot of other stuff going on on the stage as well. So... Uh, yeah, all the local uh, photographers and uh, people that are into filming concerts, they've all been banging the door going, we want to actually catch this one on film. First metal gig ever at the castle, and uh, there's just a handful of tickets left. Oh. So, And that's uh, that's all happening. Uh, yeah, Monday next. I know it's a funny all night it's for a gig. Yeah, it's unusual, but I have to say, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm the, the biggest heavy metal fan, but I have to say I'm so intrigued by these guys, and I'm so intrigued by this gig. And as you said, it's a Monday night. I'm like, sure, what else did I be doing? Yeah, I know it's a school <laughs> night, obviously, but at the same time, it's starting reasonably early at seven o'clock. I mean, the, it'll be finished by about half nine, quarter to 
11. Um, there are buses coming down. There's a heavy metal buses coming down from wow. Dublin. They've come around from all over the country and beyond yeah. uh, because of the uniqueness. And these bands will actually have been just playing Castle Donington, one of the biggest metal festivals in the world over in the UK. And uh, mm. they'll, they'll, they will come off stage there, drive over to uh, here to Limerick, you know. So they will have come off stage having having played to about 40,000 people. And wow. they will come over here to Limerick to, to entertain us. Um, it's going to be a spectacle. Mm. Um, I don't think you necessarily need to know the music really, really well. I think you'll enjoy just the entire atmosphere of the thing. It's going to be great fun. And the metal crowd in Limerick, it's really strong. The metal vibe here in Limerick is really good. It's probably better than any of the other cities outside of Dublin uh, because of the guys in Bad Reputation have been running so many gigs over the years. So, uh, th- you know, th- I'm, we're really rooting for him for this one. Uh, for two reasons. I mean, let's say John himself, the guy running it, I mean, he's saying it's always been a, a, a dream for him. He loves heavy metal. He loves Limerick. He loves the spirit of the place. And he just wanted to bring it all together in the castle. And also, if this does well and it sells out and people say this is a great idea, there's going to be bigger and better gigs coming in as well. Mm. You know, f- it, it, it'll just grow from here all going to, all going to plan. So, yeah, uh, fingers crossed for everybody in the production that it goes really well. But I know the um, Amon and Mark are just going to... Uh, they're going to just put on a just, just oh. big, huge, blinding show. It's going to be great fun. You know, I can't wait for it myself, actually. You know, I can't wait even just to, I'd love to, like, I'm even kind of thinking, even just walking around the, the grounds of the bridges and being able to hear it, I think it'll be so cool and different. Exactly. You know, and it'll shake the place's foundations. <laughs> and hopefully most of it will be less standing afterwards. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I'm sure the, the old parts will. May, maybe the newer parts might fall apart. But we'll, see how <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, we'll Watch see this how space. it goes. Yeah, yeah. We'll all have to go Monday alone for that. Now, um, there's another record room. You were there recently. Yeah. Yeah, so the uh, the record room have been doing uh, so there's some lovely gigs down there. Uh, you know when you pop downstairs, it's just Love a tiny venue. little space, it, yeah. good stage. There's a l- big red drapes up there. It's got a loungy feel. It's yeah. relaxed. The sound system is really nice in there now. They improved. They've been improving on that, and they've been doing a little bit of work in the background. But there it has been. A, there was a festival there in uh, March uh, called the All In Festival, mm-hmm. and that was a chap called uh, Rory Hall is running it, and uh, he plays with an act called Proper. Micro Envy and Rory oh, yes. has been DJing and Spin South West and Claire Femme and a yeah. few places. So he's well known, you know, enthusiastic guy. And now he's a festival booker and promoter. And, you know, he, he's a force of nature himself. Mm. He's really good at pulling strings together and getting things organized. So he has pulled this festival together in March. It got such a good response that he's pulled it all again, t- uh, pulled it all together again for this weekend. So it's a Friday the 14th. Saturday the 15th, this Friday and Saturday, in the record room downstairs from the commercial. Uh, the festival is called All In. And uh, the, uh, the idea of the festival, I suppose, is he's kind of bringing uh, the, the, the beat producers, the hip-hop producers, the rappers, and the songwriters, and the dance music producers. And he's just kind of gaps- capturing them from Limerick and the surrounding areas. These are people in their early years forming they're what they're going to be doing, you know. So, and uh, they, th- he's getting them on stage, and he's he's getting uh, I don't know, it's about like someone like twenty acts or something over the two days. Like the one in March was great fun. Um, everybody played great sets, and um, this time around he has uh, the Wagwan, which is kind of a drum and bass dubstep crew, uh, proper micro envy his own act, which um, I suppose it, it's kind of like almost a disco dance act, mm-hmm. you know. And um, he's, he's 
He likes to do his costume changes, so it's always going to be a show with Rory. <laughs> I think the, 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 the box of costumes yeah. is probably more than the actual uh, drummer has in his setup, you know. And uh, there's like Jane Fraser, who's a brilliant singer locally and a great producer. And uh, the PX DJs, they're the, the, yeah, the prescription DJs. They're going to do a lot of the hip-hop stuff. There's a crowd called Kyoto Love Hotel, and uh, that's a duo out of Dublin. They're playing some amazing kind of atmospheric music, and I think it might be their first time down here. Tamara Hall, which is Rory's baby sister, mm-hmm. uh, she makes some great dance music as well. She's at it as well. Good, uh, a wonderful rapper, Shafto, another wonderful rapper out of Six Mile Bridge. And um, there's a whole bunch of others there. That's just some of the names that are there. All up and coming, super creative people. And um, get them all in the one room. And it's, it's just an amazing atmosphere there. You know, it was electric last time around. And uh, I don't see any reason why it shouldn't be. And uh, you know what? The tickets are there. They're so cheap. They're, they're, you know, it's, it's only a small contribution. Yeah. I think a lot of the tickets are actually gone already. I think there might be a handful of day tickets left. But um, and the atmosphere in the town for this is always good, you know. So, Super yeah. Stuff. So yeah, it's it's probably at the other end of of, of the scale from uh, from the the castle <laughs> yeah. gig, but you know you can warm up with this stuff, you know. Um, so ad- apart from that, around the town um, we have uh, f- the fantastic Just Mustard. Mm-hmm. They are playing uh, a show to show show on Saturday as well, and uh, they were nominated for Choice Music Prize for their uh, for album of the year, and um, they are they are um, yeah they're quality show live as well. So that's something to look out for as well. Uh, Dermot and Dave. Oh yeah. We know them. Yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, Derek Whelan. And I think their show sold out completely. So they put on a second Not one, surprised. I believe. Oh, so brilliant. Yeah. So I think that's, that's this Friday, the 14th. And like I say, um, the All In Festival is over Friday and Saturday mm-hmm. in the record room. And the Metal is on Monday, the 17th. And there's an after party down in Dolan's warehouse if you're still willing to. <laughs> I don't know what hour you f- you're planning coming in on Tuesday morning. I, I might be a little late myself. Oh. But there's an after party down in Dolan's after the metal. Um, so, you know, we're into the summer and normally like things start quieting down. But yeah, that's not too bad. No, for we're weekend. getting very. I have to say, I be, you know, everyone talks about the quiet summers in Limerick. I'm like, I feel like this year there's a big change. There's a lot going on. And as you said, so much variation um, and stuff going on for every age group and, and ev- every genre. So uh, it's brilliant to see for the city. And long may it last. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And I think, yeah, led led by Dolan's probably running the gigs over the June bank holiday weekend. I think that gave the city a real boost yeah. and, and kept people in the city over the weekend. And again, yeah, like you say, th- there are little bits and pieces of things just happening around the place. There's plenty to keep us going. Loads, you know? absolutely loads. <laughs> Eric, thank you so much. And uh, sure you'll be back with Keen next week on the podcast. So thank you so much for talking to me this we'll week. We'll see you in the marsh pit of the castle. <laughs> now just to remind you that this week's podcast is brought to you by Furniture Wholesale Eastway Business Park. There's a warehouse clearance sale currently taking place. I'm Megan Scully. I'm in this week for Key and Reinhardt. He'll be back to you next week. And now it's time to discuss what's been going on on the Limerick Post show. I'm the executive producer and presenter of the show. If you haven't seen it, head over to limerickpost.ie forward slash show to see all the interviews and all the great things we've been doing. And in case you're wondering what is the Limerick Post show, well, it's to shine a positive light on all the people and places in Limerick City and County. And this week was pretty cool. I headed over to UL where the FAI, um, they have set up this kind of exhibition and you can see some really cool memorabilia and the ambassador for the exhibition is Ray Houghton. So I got to chat to him all about football and I asked him what advice he's got for young people who want to maybe pursue football as a professional career. So as I said, you can check that one out. I also got to chat to Mick McCarthy. Um, When I first met him, I was about six or seven years old and it was in Lansdowne Road when Ireland took on Argentina, but they lost 2-0 and I got a photo with him and uh, it was cool to see him again and we got another photo together which uh, I'm going to put the two together and uh, we'll see who's changed the most eh? um, so as I said limerpost.e forward slash show to see that also 
on Friday's big show on the main show I chatted to Limerick Group Hermitage Green in King John's Castle and uh, it was great to catch up with the lads they're so sound so hard working and so talented and not only that but they gave us a very special performance in one of the towers in the castle and I have to say it was incredible it was like I had goosebumps just listening to them and even seeing it back I'm like wow it was so incredible of course they are playing in the castle two dates in July and they will be supported by Moxie and Ham Sandwich so it'll be absolutely superb the castle is such a beautiful setting as Eric just mentioned and I have to say I just love going to gigs there so I do so that's pretty much it for this week's show Um, as said there'll be loads of video footage coming out next week and on Friday then that's the day when we post the entire show as I said limerickpost.ie forward slash show to keep up to date with everything on the Limerick Post show I'm Megan Scully that is it for this week's podcast as I did mention Keen Reinhardt will be back in the hot seat next week take care <laughs>